You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of South Hills Church in Corona, California. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at southhills.org forward slash corona. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Happy Mother's Day. Man, we're so glad that you are here hanging out with us today. And um, man, we love all the moms in our lives. And we know there are so many of you here. And uh, we love that you chose to spend part of your special day right here with us at South Hills. And we know that some of you are here because your mom asked you to be here. You're like, I do not want to come. But she was like, this is the one thing I want and you made it happen, and uh, you're just making her heart light up right now, which is amazing. And so thank you on behalf of her uh, for being here this morning. That's incredible. And uh, today we're actually beginning this brand new series that we're going to carry on through the next several weeks um, called You're Not Listening. And we're going to talk about this idea of why is it that so many people feel misunderstood? And you know, what can we do about that? And I think this is, topic is especially relevant when it comes to moms, but really speaks to a lot of our lives. And uh, today, I want to encourage you to take some notes, to write down some things that, that stand out to you that you think maybe could help you in your life or maybe you want to think about or talk about a little bit later on today. And uh, if you are taking notes, the title of my message is, Tell Me About You. <clears throat> Tell Me About You. Uh, my wife and I have uh, three kids, and uh, she is an incredible mom, and uh, we, uh, they, they love her. I mean, she is phenomenal in so many ways and spends so much time with them, and I know they feel seen and heard by her. In fact, uh, a while back, my, uh, my, parent, my, my parents, actually my dad was like, hey, um, I would love to give you uh, guys a gift, and I was thinking maybe what I could do is just take your kids for like a week and we'll, I'll take them on a trip and you guys can just stay home. And I don't know what he said after that because we were just like, yeah, we were already half packed for them. We we're like, absolutely, get them out of here. And so he took, uh, he with my, one of my little sisters, they took our kids and, uh, and they went to Florida and they spent a whole week down there and they did all this amazing stuff. And Gretchen and I just got to have some time to ourselves. And when they got home, um, you know, they, they, they got there and they got dropped off and the, the two boys, they, didn't, they left all their stuff in the car. They ran in as quick as they could and they ran past me and they found their mom. They're like, mom, mom, mom. And instantly they're just like, they're hammering her. They're like telling her all the things that they did. They're both talking at the same time. They're both telling separate stories. They're both telling her every little detail of everything that happened, everything they did, every little nuance of what's going on. And in fact, like one of my kids is getting frustrated because he doesn't feel like he's getting enough eye contact. So we would continually just move her face over in his direction and keep pulling it back. And they're both talking. And my daughter was a little bit late. And so she, she was like, uh, she wasn't in yet. She was like, you know, trying to get all of her stuff from the car. So she gets all of her stuff rounded up and uh, comes in a little bit late and she walks in the door and she's holding all this stuff and she's like, dad. And I felt so good that someone was actually excited to see me. And she was like, dad, dad. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, where's mom? She's over there and she's like, oh, okay. And she came up, not that she was going to give me a kiss. She just gave me all of her junk and then ran over 
to see her mom. And they're all like, and then she joins in the conversation. They're all just telling their mom all the things that happened, all the things that like they did, everything they're going on. I walk in the room and they're all talking over each other. They're all sharing stories. They're all doing the thing. There's still the face movement. There's all the stuff going on all at once. And they get everything out. And, um, you know, they ran out of things to say. And they're all just kind of like, <sighs> they got everything out. And then they just left the room. They left the room and they went to get their stuff. And of course, you know, they were gone doing things for the same amount of time that she was home doing things. And none of them asked her one question about what she did the entire time they were gone, which I thought was so interesting. They were like, obviously mom cares about every single nuanced detail about what I did. What does she do? I don't know, mom stuff, who cares? Anyway... I got what I needed from this exchange. I feel great. And here's the thing. I, I don't think my kids are horrible people, at least not for this reason. Um, I, think, <laughs> I, I think that it just never occurred to them. It just never occurred to them to ask her how she was doing, what was going on with her, what was happening inside of her week. And, you know, in spending a lot of time talking to my wife and my mom and other moms in my life, this is what I've come to realize is that, like, in a lot of ways, this is kind of what it feels like to be a mom. That, like, you have this sense that um, you have this role that you're playing that you, you, you prayed about, you dreamt about, you looked forward to, and you love it. And it, in a lot of ways, it, it, it defines you, and you spend so much time really paying attention to and caring for and thinking about and leaning into the needs of others, but, but sometimes you can begin to maybe wonder, like, who, who's looking out for your needs? And I, I think it's easy for moms to sort of fade into the background of their own stories a lot of times. And, and maybe, you know, as a mom, maybe you feel like it's sort of expected. Like, this is just kind of like how I'm, what being a good mom means. And you, you, you love your kids and you're, you're leaned into their life. You love serving them, but, but somewhere along the way, maybe... There's part of you that's sort of lost sight of yourself outside of that particular role. And I think for a lot of moms, a lot of moms end up feeling like they are always listening, but seldom being listened to. And although I don't think this is necessarily just something that, that moms struggle with, I do think that it is a particularly pronounced issue in the lives of a lot of moms where there's not a lot of listening going on and you can feel lonely. And I want to begin this series by just talking about why this happens to us as people, why people end up feeling unheard, why it's difficult for us to lean in and listen, sometimes even especially to the people that are living right alongside us, and maybe what we can begin to do about it. And I'm going to look at a passage of Scripture, this particular story. It's found in the book of Ruth. Uh, chapter 1, and uh, we're going to read this together and make some observations. And uh, Christian, could I get some water, actually? I'm getting a little bit of dry mouth. Thank you so much. Um, this is what it says. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, says this. A severe famine came upon the land. And so a man from Bethlehem left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. Then he died. What a horrible way to start a story. 
Didn't you just start to like this guy? You're like, oh my gosh, they have it. What? We're only three verses in. This can't be good. Then he died. And his wife, Naomi, was left with her two sons. At least she's got them still. The two sons married Moabite women. One uh, married a woman named Orphan. The other one, a woman named Ruth. This man is starting to look up for her. About 10 years later, both their sons died. Oh, my gosh. This left Naomi alone without her sons or her husband. Happy Mother's Day. Some of you are like, thank you for choosing this passage on my favorite day. This is a rough way to start any sort of a story. There's so much tragedy and heaviness. And actually, I, I, I picture myself like sitting across from this woman, having her tell me this part of her story, and just imagining what I would do, what I would say. I don't feel like I, I would know what to say. I wonder if you would know what to say. I think in situations like this where somebody sort of shares with us some things that they're really going through or have just gone through, like the state of their existence, and we realize how rough they've had it or have it, and we, we feel like we, we ought to like say something smart or inspirational. We ought to give them some sort of like stellar advice, but oftentimes we don't know what to do, and... And oftentimes, I don't really think that that's what they're looking for. Because here's what's true. When we share, like most of us, we aren't really searching for a solution as much as we're, we're, we're seeking a sounding board. We're not really looking for someone to really like give us all the answers to the situation uh, uh, that we're in at that particular moment. What we're really looking for is for someone to actually lean in, for someone to listen for someone to just be with us, to sit with us, to really hear us. And I think this is true in tragedy, but this is also true with pretty much everything else in our lives. Like the big stuff and the small stuff. We, we want to be, be heard. I, I would say that like we all want to be listened to in an unhurried way that says your feelings and perspectives are important to me. And in fact, like this isn't really as much something that you can say as much as it's something that you really have to show. And I use the word unhurried here because like we want to really feel like, like someone is willing to take time to really listen. For us to say whatever it is we need to say in that moment. Like nobody wants to be listened to as part of like a long checklist. And I wonder if you've had this exchange before where someone's like, yeah, 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 tell me what you got. Okay, uh-huh, what, 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 spit it up, what, say what you got. And you're just like, now I don't know. You know what I mean? It just feels like I can't, and you try and speed up the story and you get nervous and then you can't get access to, like we want to feel like we can relax. Like the person is just there to take us in as long as it takes. And uh, we want to feel like we can, we can take our time. We can, we can get, we can, we can figure out what we're thinking and feeling and how to put it into words that the other person would, would understand. And a lot of times the stuff we want to share isn't even like really big stuff. But small stuff has a way of being a big deal to us. And in fact, the people that we're most likely to share the big stuff with are the people that we feel safest sharing the small stuff with. Like think about the, the things in your life that you feel most compelled 
to share with the people around you? Isn't most of it just kind of like weird, random, mundane things that happen to you that you just want to share? And I would actually argue that a lot of that stuff is really only interesting to them because they're interested in you. Like, I hate to break it to you, but that 45-minute story that you told about the time you made pants for your pit bull, it's not as interesting as you think it is on its own. They just really care about you, right? And so it becomes interesting because they're interested in you. They're leaned into your life and they care. And you can feel it because you're being heard. We love to be, you know, known in this way. In fact, I would say we, we need it. It's a human need. And in fact, this is so true and so powerful, like what it is to be heard, that people who don't feel listened to don't feel loved. That in fact, these two things begin to form a loop that inform one another, that reinforce one another. And I know you, you hate this thought, right? I know like there's part of you that's just like, I don't want that to be true because there are people that I'm like, I love them. I don't really listen to them. I mean, not that much. I mean, it's like, and also I feel like it, sh it shouldn't matter because I do other stuff, okay? I do a lot of other stuff for them that shows I help around the house, okay? I give them very expensive gifts, okay, that I don't even understand why they would want it. But I, I paid for it, and it was very, I work hard to support this family. I'm constantly picking up after other people. I told them I love them at least twice in the last five years, and I feel like I'm doing a great job. And I, I think all that stuff is amazing. But what we know is that it doesn't really make up for not leaning in and really listening to someone. And why is that? I would argue that it's because attention is the currency of affection. That you prove your love by paying attention. I would say in the moments in your life where you felt most unloved are the moments in which you felt the most ignored. In which it felt like no one was paying attention attention. And in fact, the moments in which you probably felt the most loved and, and accepted were the moments in which people leaned in and took time to really hear you. And that's sort of what's happening here in this story. It says this in Ruth chapter 1, verse 7. It says, with her two daughters, after this huge tragedy, with her two daughters-in-law, she set out from where she was living for Judah. But on the way, Naomi stopped and she said, go, go back to your mother's homes. May, may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of, of, of another marriage. And then she kissed them goodbye and then they all broke down and they wept. And I just gotta let you know, weeping is an ugly cry. It's not like, I'll miss you. It's like, <laughs> right? Like where there's like the snot rockets coming down and just like the mascara everywhere. It's just, it's messy. They're just weeping. And what I think is so interesting about this piece of the story is if you are really paying attention, if you're really listening to what's happening here, Naomi is telling these two women to do the opposite of what she actually wants them to do. 
Now, I know this is just some random, unique thing that happened in this particular Bible story and is nothing that has ever happened in your life with your relationships, but sometimes what people say is the opposite of what they mean. I know you've never experienced this. Just use your imagination as maybe how that would feel or how you could experience this in your life. This is what's happening here. Why would she do that? Why would anyone do that? Maybe it's because she thinks it's the right thing to do. Maybe it's because she doesn't want to burden them. Maybe she thinks they don't really care about the truth. Maybe she's not really even fully aware of what she wants. Maybe she's been thinking about what everybody else wants for so long, she's not sure what she wants anymore. Maybe she's checking in to see if they are leaned in and paying enough attention, if they're observant enough to even notice that the words that she's saying do not match her body language or anything about the way she's saying it. If they're paying attention enough to notice the inconsistency. It's estimated that at least 55% of the emotional content of a spoken message is translated non-verbally. Now, that is astounding to me. It's also a little bit alarming for those of us who do the majority of our communicating through text and email, right? Who do the majority of our communicating through conversations on the phone or conversations in person in which the TV's on and we're also scrolling through our phone at the same exact time. Like what this actually means, what this actually is telling us is that if you are not looking at the person in person while they're sharing with you, you are missing over half of what they're trying to tell you. And in fact, you might be hearing the words but missing the meaning altogether. Because good listeners, they're, they're, they're taking, they're paying attention, they're taking in everything. They're paying attention to not just the words, but like the facial expressions and the, the eye line and the eye contact and the gestures that are being made and the body language and the posture, all these little details because they realize that they're framing the context of what's being said. And some of you are thinking like, that sounds like a lot of work. And it is, which is why a, a lot of people don't feel heard. Because a lot of us don't want to put in that work. You see, hearing is passive, but listening is active. Something that takes effort. Understanding, in fact, always takes effort. And the women in this story are listening. They are hearing what's being said. Because we can tell this because of the the way that they respond, the way that they react. It says this, in, in verse number 10, after they say, she tells them to go away, even though she doesn't mean it, they say this, no, they said, we want to go with you. But Naomi replied, why? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up and be your husbands? Has this ever happened to you where you're like, you're trying to like help someone and then they come back even stronger with a sarcastic argument that's so ridiculous where you're like, technically it's logical, but you're talking crazy right now. And that's what she's doing right here. Listen to to her argument. She says, can I still give birth to other sons who can grow up and be your husbands? No, my daughters return to your parents' homes. I'm too old to even marry again, even if it were possible. And I were to get married tonight, 
and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for him to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? Of course you wouldn't. The Lord himself has raised his fist against me. What an elaborate logic loop she goes into. And it just keeps getting darker and darker and darker. And she basically ends with, there's no hope. My life is over. Even God hates me. It's part of me thinks she might be a little bit drunk during this. I don't know. Based on what's happened to her, it feels likely. And I wonder if you've ever been in this situation before where you, 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 you asked a question of someone and they started like, you know, sort of they gave you an answer and the answer, there was something off about it. And so you asked a follow-up question, like, what do you, what do you, what do you really mean? Like, what are you saying there? Like, and then it was like, once you asked that follow-up question, it was like the dam broke inside of them. And like all this stuff just started rushing out. It was almost like they had all this stuff pent up inside of them that they didn't feel like they had permission to share with anyone or anywhere. And as soon as they were just like, oh, I got an opening, it was like, and it just all came rushing to the surface. And some of you are like, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's why I do not ask follow-up questions. I just keep it short. I do not need that. People get swept away and die when the dam breaks. That's what I know. I don't want to be that person. But I would also say you've probably been on the other side of that equation too before, like where you didn't really realize how much you really needed to share something with someone until someone was sitting right in front of you and they, they seemed like they were genuinely interested. And it was like, something came over you and you just started talking. And even as it's coming out, you're like, wow, there's a lot in there. Didn't even realize all that was in there until this really moment, this very moment. I think, I think this is why, like, you know, sometimes our oversharing even surprises us, right? This is why we can walk away from a situation and just be like, Wow, I don't even know. I feel like I blacked out a little bit back there. I don't even know what I just said. That was, in hindsight, as you're driving away, you're like, that was a, that was a lot to share with an 18-year-old waiter. I don't know if I should have. I went in a little deep on that one. I don't know. I, that was a lot to just, like, just give to a dog groomer. I don't know that they were prepared or are being paid enough for what I just laid on them. I don't know that, like, I should have just, like, the kid at the concession stand who was 14. I don't know that I probably should have gone into all that stuff about my impending divorce. That felt like maybe he was a little overwhelmed at about hour, hour one, hour two, somewhere in that range. He just sort of glazed over, and, I, the, you know, the first sign I had was when he was in the corner in the fetal position crying. I felt like maybe this is too, this is too much for him. I, I felt like that. I went too far. <laughs> you know what's crazy? There's all this research now about like who people share what with. And there's this, there's this enormous research study that was done by uh, a Harvard sociologist who found that like half of all people um, tend to share, like they confess or they confide their biggest worries into people that they barely know but who they feel like are really listening, as opposed to people that they, they, they claim they're close to, but feel like aren't really paying attention. That's interesting to me. 
I, I, I went in because the stat wasn't enough for me. I went in and I started reading excerpts from this guy's research. And there's story after story of people who had shared a, like a terminal cancer diagnosis with their hairdresser, but no one in their immediate family who had shared their deepest feelings of rejection in their marriage to an Uber driver, but not any of their close friends. Because they didn't feel hurt among those people. The story goes on to say in verse 14 that again after... Naomi says this, they, they, they wept again together and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye and she left. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods and you should do the same. I, like, every time I read this, I always get the impression that, that Orpha was just like, she kind of wanted to leave the whole time. You know what I mean? But she was like, oh, I don't want to look bad. And then as soon as Naomi was like, no, no, seriously, go. She was like, okay. And then she just left right away. She was like, I kind of feel like maybe you don't mean it, but technically you said to go. I'm out of here. I wonder if you've ever done that before. I wonder if you like, you ever had something to do or somewhere you wanted to be, and then you kind of stumbled across somebody and it seemed like they really wanted to talk or they needed to talk. And you're just like, oh, it's going to throw off my schedule. <laughs> and so you were just like, mm, you're okay, right? And they were like, yeah. And you're like, good. And then you just like, you just took off. And part of you was like, I don't know if they were really good. They were crying real hard back there. But you're like, technically, they said they were good. And that's what I wanted to hear. And I got three more episodes to watch before this new season drops. I got stuff to do. And listen, I think we all do this. And I don't think you do this because you're a jerk. I think you do this because you're preoccupied. In fact, I think, I think many of us are way too distracted to even realize we're being inattentive. I think the people in your life that would say you're not paying attention, I think some of them would surprise you because I think you don't even know you're not paying attention. I wonder how many times there have been people in your life who were trying to share with you or talk with you or connect with you and you were there but you weren't really there. You were somewhere else in your mind. Your, 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 your brain was in a different location. You were like going over your to-do list in your head. You were thinking about what you wanted to get to so that you could relax because you're really tired. You were thinking about how hungry you are. You were thinking about like the emotional drama and the weight of the thing that you're caring about, that you're frustrated about, that you want to talk about, but instead you're listening to the thing that they're talking about right now and you wish they would just be quiet in the moment. You're thinking about the buzzing that's happening on your phone and what's happening and how bad you want to look at it and like, are they going to look away? So you can look at it real quick and then they won't notice. And you're not picking up anything that they're putting out there. I just think there, there's, there's a million different ways for, for us to, you know, sort of tune someone out. And I think most of us do most of them almost every day. And I think a lot of us don't even know we're doing them. You know who doesn't do these things? In this story, Ruth. Some of you are like, that's because she didn't have a phone, Okay. So I don't know, we should hold her up as an example. It shouldn't count. But I would argue that like, she's, not, she's not just opening her ears to hear, that she's really leaning in, she's really listening. 
she's paying attention to not just what's being said, what, but what's behind what's being said. And that's really what listening is about at its core. Listening is about getting to the why behind the what. It's about like slowing the conversation down in your own mind and asking yourself, why are they telling me this? Now, I know like technically you've asked yourself this like sarcastically about someone when they're like droning on about something and it feels so random and you're just like, why are they telling me this, right? But I wonder if you've ever asked this of yourself genuinely, seriously. I wonder if you've asked yourself this because you really, truly were trying to imagine what they're wanting you to get by telling you this. And the reason why I, I, I say this is because I, I really believe that people are always revealing themselves to us all the time by things that they say. But because we're not listening, we don't really hear what they're saying. What about this? Like, what if, what if all the random things that people tell you aren't all that random? What if it just feels random to you because you don't know what's behind it? You don't know what they're getting at. It feels random maybe because you're skimming the surface. I wonder if you were able to listen beyond just the simple words being said. I think that's where a lot of us stop. Like, let me give you an example. Like, let's say that you get home one day and you are exhausted, and, and you ask this question, because you really do care, okay? But also, it's just kind of your rhythm, and you're just like, oh, man, I had a long day. What'd you do today? And they go off. They start giving you this whole list. They're like, well, first of all, I did this, and then I did this, and then I was on the phone for like 45 minutes, and this happened, and then, this, then they dropped by. Then the baby vomited everywhere. Then I'm cleaning that up. Then the dog starts eating it. Then the dog poops. Then the baby tries to eat the dog poop. I mean, it was just insane. I get everybody to sleep. I start doing this. I start doing that. I make this phone call. This happens. The power line fell down. Then I went after this. Then this thing. And you're just like, wow, this is, this is a lot. And you're going into a lot of detail right now. This is, this is overwhelming. This is so much information. Like, why, why are they telling me this? Why are they telling me this? Why are they telling me this? What is it that that person might actually be trying to share with you? Maybe like, um, I did a lot today. And I want you to see that. You went to work, but I worked too. I worked here, and I worked really hard. And I did things that like, I never thought I was going to have to do, that I never signed up to do, but I did them. I gave my whole self to them. I cared. And I, I, I want you to see all the things that I'm doing. I want you to see that I'm trying. I want you to validate the work that I'm doing. I want you to see that what I'm doing is just as important as what you're doing. I want you to see it and care about it. I want you to know about it. I, I want to be recognized and respected for my contribution. I wonder if you had the ability to listen so close that you could hear what the person was actually asking for below what it was they were really saying. Because if it's just a list to you, 
it feels annoying. It doesn't make sense. But if you recognize it's just the packaging to communicate something so much deeper, so much more meaningful. When you realize this, I think we all intuitively know what to do. I think sometimes what makes this really difficult is that sometimes the person that's sharing, they don't even themselves know why they're telling you what they're telling you. They haven't yet figured it out. But a good listener is able to slow the conversation down, listen between the lines and look for context clues to help them understand what's going on. And part of the way we do this is we, when we hear something that sounds weird or off, we're just like, okay, oh, time out. I, go back to that one part. I, I didn't fully understand that. Tell me more about that. And we begin to, to refuse to assume that we know everything. We begin to dive a little bit deeper. And now that you know that, I wonder what Naomi might actually be saying when she says all this stuff. So I, I, I think that if we lean in and really listen to her, I think what she might be saying is like, I, I feel useless. I, I'm, I'm, I feel worthless. I feel like I'm past my prime. I always believed that I was valuable because I had something to contribute. And now I'm just like, I don't know what anyone would want from me. I, I don't know what I have to give anymore. And that, that thought is the scariest, most depressing thing that I could possibly think. And I, I started to think that maybe like the whole universe is stacked against me because it feels like nothing is going my way. And I don't know what to do about it. And I've always, like part of me has always been like a little bit afraid that maybe the people around me like, they're just around me because they feel obligated to be with me. And, and like, once, once, like, they no longer need me, they won't want me. And so I'm just trying to give you permission in case that's what you feel. I'm trying to give you permission that now that you realize I don't need you, it's okay for you to say you don't want me. And I'm scared of that. But I want the truth. I think it's only because Ruth is listening closely that she's able to hear all this and she knows how to respond. She knows what to say. And she says this in, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. Ruth replied, don't, don't ask me to leave and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And it's a profound and, and moving speech, but the real reason it's impactful to the person it was originally given to is because it's addressing the root of what she was really saying instead of skimming the surface. Like what Ruth is really saying is like, I hear you. I see you. I'm with you. I'm for you. Like Ruth is giving her mother-in-law the most valuable gift in the universe, the gift of validation, of being heard. I think it's interesting that Ruth actually 
tells Naomi two or three times that she's not going anywhere, but Naomi doesn't believe her because like, she has all this deep-seated emotional baggage and fear that prevents her from really hearing her daughter-in-law. And inside of this speech, Ruth is saying, like, I hear you. No, no, listen to me. I hear you, and I want you to hear me. I'm not Orpha. I'm not looking for an excuse to jump ship. I'm here. I'm paying attention. I'm really listening. I'm not going anywhere. It says that after this exchange, verse 18, that when, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. And so the two of them continued on their journey. When she saw that Ruth was really listening, when she heard what Ruth was really saying in return, they moved forward on their journey together. And here's the question I want us all to wrestle with this morning. I, I wonder how many people are stuck where they are who cannot continue their journey, who are just sort of circling the same desolate patch of desert over and over and over again because they feel like no one really sees or hears them. Notice that in the middle of the story, you have someone who is on a journey, who's moving in a direction, and stops and gets stuck in that spot and turns back and looks to see if anyone's listening. And I wonder if there are people in your world that are in that place in their life. And I wonder how someone leaning in and actually being interested might free them up to finally move forward. And I wonder if that person for you in your life might be someone that you accidentally regularly overlook. I wonder if maybe it's your mom. I wonder if it's someone who lives in your own house you see every day. Part of you tunes them out because you feel like you already know what they're going to say, what they already think. i got to tell you, though, you can never fully know the interior of someone else's mind. I wonder, like, what if, what if this Mother's Day, what if the gift you gave was not, it wasn't like a, a, a homemade card or, you know, a, a craft you made, even though you're 45 and you've never been good at crafting, what if what you gave her was a, was a listening ear? What if you took her out and you sat across from her and you looked her right in the eye and you said, okay, tell me about you. And then you asked her maybe a string of questions that were just about her and you just listened. And then when she answered, you asked a follow-up question and you leaned in and you, you really tried to see her. I wonder what would happen if you, you tried to, to listen for the, the why behind the what. I wonder if you didn't assume that you already knew 
who she was or what she was going to say or what's going on in, in the inside of her mind, like if you expected to learn something from that exchange, if you expected to be surprised, I wonder what that would do for her. I wonder what it would do for you. Maybe you're thinking like, I don't know. That's probably not going to work. You don't know my mom, okay? Like she's not going to, she can't even sit still, first of all. So I don't even know if that's going to work. And then she's going to turn it on me. She's like, well, I don't know. And what about you? And she, don't let her do it, okay? She's going to try and trick you and turn it on you. Don't let it happen. And here's the secret. Good listeners are, are really good questioners. They're people who, who ask to learn. And I said it because there's a lot of different ways to ask questions. They, like good listeners are not asking questions to like fix or save or advise or correct, right? And we've all had somebody ask these questions and it's not a real question. You've been asked this question of like, oh, have you ever thought of seeing a therapist? You're like, it doesn't feel like a question. It feels like you're telling me to go see a therapist, right? Like, I mean, why are you still with him, right? That's not like a real question. That's like a, you shouldn't still be with him, right? How could you be so stupid? That's not even a real question. That's you saying, you're stupid, okay? Real questions are open-ended. They're these broad questions that really are trying to get to what's going on behind the scenes, the why behind the what. And I realize that it may be challenging to do that for you. And and this is why we're going to give you a practical resource today as you leave um, there's th- these little cards that we made up that are 20 thoughtful questions to ask your mom. And uh, we're going to give this to you on your way out. And I would encourage you to just go through these. The, 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 the idea is not, I know some of you are like, you love checking things off a list. The point is not like, question number one, okay, okay, the time's up, now let's go on. <laughs> totally missed the point, right? This may take multiple coffees, multiple dinners, Listen, if it's my mom, you're going to get through one every lunchtime. That's it, right? Maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. Maybe that's what she needs. There's this saying in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 15. It says, intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. This is a part of the wisdom tradition that Ruth came up in, that Naomi came up in. And what this is saying is this, people who are wise, people who are intelligent, people who are smart, even though they may know a lot, they realize there's a lot more that they don't know. And the biggest category that they know the least about is other people. Specifically, oftentimes the people that they think they know the best are sometimes the ones that they explore the least because there's so many assumptions that get made. It says that, that the intelligent are, have their ears open at all time because they are expecting to receive new knowledge. What kind of knowledge? I, I think the biggest knowledge that we stand to receive is knowledge of and about other people. Knowledge of who someone really is, of what they are really 
going through, of all the unexpected things that they have to teach you if you're really paying attention, if you'd ask just one more follow-up question. And this is my challenge to you. I wonder if you put this into practice in your own life. Like, what if this was your goal for the next month? In every area of life, in every relationship, in every role, in every subject, to really listen. To expect to be amazed at what you hear. To go in being like, I don't know what I'm going to hear and learn, but it's going to be something. What if you went into every conversation believing the other person might have something more interesting to say than you. Because here's the truth. You already know what you think. You don't know what they think. And I wonder what would happen if you leaned in and listened. So I'm gonna pray into your life today. Would you bow your heads across this room as we close our time together. Father, I am grateful for your love and grace and mercy in our lives for the fact that you are always listening to us. God, I pray that we would learn to lean in and listen to others in the same way that you listen to us, that we would be attentive to those in our lives in the same way that you give us your attention, that we would feel seen and known and loved by you, and we would give that gift to those in our lives. God, especially the moms represented in this room, I pray that because we know you, God, we would be better listeners to them. May it change the way they experience and feel love from us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.